If you would, would you turn your Bibles with me, everybody, to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Now, I know some of you, your church feathers are being ruffled as I mention that because you're like, whoa, 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 we're in, we're in Christmas, this is December, don't mess with my Luke 2, pastor, don't mess with my Matthew, we're in the Gospels in December, that's what we do here, it's Christmas, let's talk about a baby, but I really believe that God has something for us in, in, in the book of Joshua, so would you turn with me to Joshua chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, Joshua chapter 3, verses 3 through five. We are in a series called Prepare for His Coming. Prepare for His Coming. And this series isn't about us uh, preparing for uh, Jesus' physical return to earth where He's going to take us all up in, in, into heaven. This is, this is us preparing our own selves for what God wants to do in this season that the church has appropriately named Advent to come, that we are receiving what Jesus is coming to bring. And as we prepare ourselves for what God wants to do in us, I believe that Joshua 3, verse 3 through 5, really has a, a special aspect that we can all learn from. Joshua chapter 3, verse 3 through 5 says this. And he commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall be set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way that you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. Verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. What I want to title this message that we have to share for the next few minutes together is The Concentration of Consecration. It's a tongue twister of a, of a title. The Concentration of Consecration. And what I want to talk about is three things for us this morning. The why of consecration, the wonder of consecration, and the way of consecration. The why, the wonder, and the way. Will you pray with me for a moment? Lord, we love you so much. God, we submit ourselves to you. God, would you do something more than we can ask, think, or imagine with these few moments that we're sharing together? God, we believe that you're in this place, and so we glorify you, Lord. Holy Spirit, move. We give you complete access right now, God, to do whatever you would want to do. Would you open our eyes to see? Would you open our ears to hear? Lord, we believe that there is something that you have for us this morning. And God, we are here ready to receive it. Prepare our hearts, Lord. We love you so much, Father. And more importantly, you love us. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to live, look, and love more like Jesus today than we did yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I wanted to be an actor when I grew up. That was my dream. Uh, I wanted to be an athlete, and then that failed, so I wanted to be an actor. And when I was an actor, there was this point in my life when my acting uh, career, which was short-lived, um, really reached its pinnacle. And this was uh, in high school. So a senior in high school, I have the dreams of 
of anybody you could ever imagine. And I am the lead role in The Crucible. You guys remember The Crucible? The show John Proctor, Salem Witch Trials, the whole thing? I was the lead, and I thought I was like God's gift. I was like, this is the best thing that you guys are ever going to witness this show. High school show. What high schoolers want to go see The Crucible, right? And so I'm here, and I'm giving my like, heart's performance. And you could not tell me when I'm like crying on stage, I'm screaming, I'm spitting. I have all of my friends who are probably making fun of me in the audience when I'm in high school. And I'm giving like the performance of my life right now, this 17, 18-year-old kid. And as I'm giving this performance, I feel like I just got in the zone. You guys know what I mean in the zone? Like some people call it like the flow state. Maybe you get hot in sports. You're on a winning streak. You get in the zone. I don't know what your thing is. You're, you're maybe an athlete or maybe you're an artist or maybe you're a teacher or maybe you're, you're, you're a stay-at-home mom or maybe you're a grant or I don't know what you do, but you feel like you're just in the zone and nothing else matters. I was in that moment acting my heart out. You could not tell me I wasn't getting an Academy Award. I was in the zone. And I remember after getting off stage, I was like, I couldn't tell you anything else that happened for the last five minutes. All I know is that I was in the zone. There was this concentration. There were nothing else mattered. And what we see in scripture here is this command that Joshua is giving the people of Israel as they're coming out of the wilderness. Now they've been out of Egypt for a little bit. Moses, now their leader has died and Joshua, their new leader has been raised up and they're coming into their new promised land that God has promised them years before. And Joshua gives this command of, we're about to cross over into something new, something different, something amazing is on its way. But there's one thing that you need to do. You need to consecrate yourselves. Now, what consecration is, is consecration is a setting apart for a spiritual purpose. That I am actually devoting myself to something specific, and I might be actually ignoring or setting aside something common. That God was trying to get the people of Israel, in order to receive everything that he had for them, to consecrate themselves. That there was this moment when I was acting where nothing else mattered. I wasn't focused on anything else. And there was this concentration and this consecration, this focus, this singular focus and tunnel vision on what I was doing in the moment where nothing else could affect me. And I believe that God wants to give us really something similar in this season, a, a, a concentration of consecration consecrated, being fully devoted, being set apart for God's good purpose in us. In this season, it's really important because I believe that God has something unique for all of us in this season. The question is, how are we going to prepare for what he has for us? How are you going to prepare for whatever God has for you in this Christmas, beautiful tradition, a uh, 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 sentimental, nostalgic season? This season in this series is entirely about how we're going to prepare ourselves for what God wants to do inside of us. Now, it's important to go on record to say that a lack of preparation doesn't disqualify you. But an act of preparation does position you. A lack of preparation will not disqualify you from what God is already doing. And an act of preparation will position you to receive what he is doing in the best way possible. I was talking with a friend 
the other day, and he used to be a, a D1 athlete. And as he was going throughout the week preparing for the game that he was about to play in, he would say, as I was going, I would be working so hard, doing so much. But then the coach would get to us, and we'd start to place the starters in the game. And the coach would come to me some weeks, and he'd be like, hey, man, you did so good, but you were just out of position all the time, so I can't put you in the starting role. He, would, he wasn't putting himself in the right position in order to receive all that was actually available to him. What position are you putting yourself in this season? Are you preparing for what God has for us right now? Because the people of Israel, they had years to prepare for the promised land, whatever God wanted to do in them, through them, for them. And now they're coming to the moment, crossing the Jordan, the Ark of the Covenant, which is the literal manifest presence of God in the earth that the Levites, the Levitical priests were to carry, and you weren't even allowed to touch it. It was so holy. It was the actual manifest presence of God. And it was going before them. And he says, follow this, follow my presence, and I'll show you what I'm going to do. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow I'll do wonders among you. Now, the why of consecration, there's, there's a why of consecration, a, a wonder of consecration, and the way of consecration. Joshua says, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, it's really important that first things first we get, that we do not consecrate ourselves so that God will do something amazing. We consecrate ourselves because he is doing something amazing. Do you see that? Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. We consecrate ourselves because he is, not so that he will. Some of us still have the mentality that I perform for God to get God on my side to bless my plan. I come to church to make sure that God is happy with me so that my life doesn't keep going downhill. I make sure that I pray because I haven't prayed in a while and my life doesn't look like what I think it should look like. We start doing all these very Christian things, these spiritual things to try and coerce God onto our side instead of actually just cooperating in what he's already doing inside of us. Yeah. We, we sometimes get this mixed up. We consecrate ourselves so that God will do something in us, not because he already is. And this, this understanding, this true understanding is, isn't an understanding of, of, of religion. It's a true revelation of sonship. Galatians says this. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This consecration that I have with God isn't a wager that I make with God to make sure that we both get a good deal. God, you get me and I get a blessing. We don't wager with God as if we have something to provide him with. This is an act of a son. And I'm not talking about gender. I'm saying inheritance, that the inheritance went to the son, that we now as sons of God get what God has for us. And so we consecrate ourselves in that way. You're no longer a slave. You are now a son brought in. And it says in Romans that now we have a spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. That we now were, we were far away from God. Now we're close to God. And now we don't just have some type of cute relationship. We have an intimate relationship by which we call him dad. He's now dad to me. It's, it's, it's a revelation of sonship. And 
what you realize about a slave and a son is that a slave oftentimes will work for, but a son works from. Are you working for God's approval or from his approval? In this season, are you working for God's good pleasure in your life or from it? Are you working for a blessing or from being blessed? Are you working for or from something? Because it's really important that we would be found ready in however God wants to bless us with a wonder by us consecrating ourselves to get ready for whatever he wants to do in our lives. We consecrate ourselves not so that he will, but because he is. Consecration is how we get ready for what's actually to come. Because the truth is that God wants all of you. Why of consecration is because God wants all of you. If actually we're being honest, God commands all of you. It's very beautiful that God wants you. And it's also true that we see in scripture that he is a king. And that he commands all of us. What that means is now we give everything that I have, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to God. We, in our culture, have um, so many, like, plan Bs. Like, it's hard for us to fully devote and commit ourselves to one thing. We're really good at multitasking. We're really good at having our hands in a lot of different pots. We're really good at looking over here and then over here, here one minute, here the next minute. But it's really hard for us to be fully devoted and present in one certain moment, to fully give ourselves to something. We always have a plan B. We always have a just in case. A lot of the times we leave a crack in the door. But actually, I believe that God actually wants all of us and to refuse plan B's, cracks in the doors, and a just in case type of faith. And sometimes we bring what the world has given us, the mentality that the world has, and we accidentally bring it into the church. I'll tell you that God wants all of you, the great commandment. Jesus says, he says, actually, when a guy comes up to him, what's the, what's the greatest thing that I can do? What, what, what am I supposed to do? God, what's your greatest commandment? Jesus responds to him by saying, you should love the Lord your God with the best of your heart, mind, soul, and Oh, wait, no. He says, you should love the Lord your God with the cleanest part of your heart, mind, soul. No, that's not. He said, you should love the Lord your God with your favorite heart, mind, Oh, wait, no. The scripture says that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That God doesn't just want some of you, but he actually wants all of you. And sometimes I believe that us only giving God the best of us stops us from giving God all of us. When we're focused on giving God the clean parts of you, the parts that you think that he wants, the parts that you think are developed and ready to be presented to a holy God, when we give and take, when we decide which parts of us God either wants or gets, we forsake what he's actually asking for which is all. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. It's one of the few places in Scripture that God actually wants quantity over quality. He's not concerned with how clean your heart is. He's concerned with how much of it are you giving to him. I encourage you, don't reserve parts of your heart to God because you think he won't want it. He's looking for all of your heart. 
why of consecration? It's because he commands all. So it brings up the question, what am I holding back from God in this season? What are you holding back from God in this season? As we prepare for God to come, what am I holding back from him? Because here's the truth about it, guys. I cannot make you devoted to God. Coming to church once a week will not make you devoted to God. Going to God when you're in trouble will not make you consecrated to God. And if you believe that it is this church's staff's responsibility to make you consecrated to God, you're mistaken. I can't do that for you. Now, I wish I could. I wish I could make all of us consecrated to God. But that's between you and him. And sometimes we come to church thinking, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to let the pastor and, and the worship team and, and the grace loves update and, and all the nice folk at church help me and, and fill me up. But it, the issue is that sometimes we're like a phone that we charge up on Sunday or we charge up in the night and we spend the entire day dying until the next night and we can charge back up. Some of us come to church once a week and then we spend the rest of the week dying, losing battery, losing faith, losing joy, losing confidence, losing our hope. And then we get back to church on Sunday and we're filled back up. But then we spend the rest of the week slowly, slowly, slowly dying like a phone dies throughout the day. Devoting yourselves to God because he's asking for all of you. He's, he's commanding all of you. And here's the thing, God actually gives us a why of consecration as well. The why that God gives of consecration is found in the scripture. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. I will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. I'll do wonders among you. It seems like the world has robbed us of a bit of wonder recently, hasn't it? That we're not okay with wondering we're not okay with wondering in the aspect of we're not okay with not knowing the answer. I can't wonder about something and then not know. How often do we not know an answer, pull out our phone and Google it? Which is fine. But we realize if you critically think or if we take inventory of our mind that we're not okay with not knowing. But inherent in God is holiness, an otherness aspect. There's a part of him that we cannot know. We're not okay with wondering. And then we're not okay with being in awe. Why? Because sometimes if you're like me, you feel like, well, in this world, there doesn't feel like there's a lot to be in awe of anymore. Wonder has almost been like stripped from us, taken from us. We, we're not, in, we're not as, as, as in awe as we used to be. We don't wonder as much as we used to. We're not in wonder as often as we would like. And it's not just that we aren't in wonder, but it feels sometimes like we've lost our wonder. Like I used to have it, but I just, I just don't know where it is anymore. In this part of the message, as we talk about wonder, I, I want it to be participatory for you. And, and I'm not asking you to stand up. I'm not asking you to sing. I'm not asking you to give. I'm not asking you to read. I'm, I'm asking you, would you engage your divine imagination for a moment? Would you participate in this moment and re-engage your wonder about the scriptures? I want to read something to you. Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you, O Lord, 
among the gods. Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, and doing wonders. In this Advent season, there are so many nostalgic, sentimental traditions and things that we do that engage our wonder, maybe light a spark of wonder in us for a season, but then it fades as quickly as it came. And there's a wonder that we feel like we had a moment, but as we've grown older, we feel like our wonder has grown less. And we now imagine things maybe in the worst possible case scenario. And we don't know how we got to be this way. I used to be optimistic, but now I feel pessimistic. I used to be hopeful, but now it feels scary to hope. I used to live with a bunch of joy in my life, but now it feels like I'm forcing it. And we don't know how we got from one place to the next. And and all of a sudden it feels like our wonder has sometimes been lost. If you ever want to grow in your wonder, I encourage you, hang out with a kid. Hang out with a baby. My niece, if you walk her around, she'll love dogs, like squirrels. Uh, You take her on a hike. You take her on a walk. She'll be touching everything, looking at everything, trying to grab flamingos out of people's yards. Like, she'll do whatever. She'll just do a bunch of stuff. Why? Because there is this inherent wonder in a child where everything is new. Everything is wonderful. Things start to to well up on the inside of you that produces this awe that you start thinking, wow, wow. I think we could say wow more. You know, when was the last time you were wowed? When was the last time you let yourself be wowed? When was the last time you let yourself wonder? When was the last time you were amazed? Feels like sometimes we've lost our wonder. I mean, the, the, the first job that you got out of school, you were amazed. You loved it. The time you graduated school, it was, it was an amazing feeling for you. you. You were so happy to tell everybody. When you got married, you, you were infatuated with the idea of love and all the hope that was in it. When you had your first kid, you remember all the hopes and the dreams and the future, the wonder and the all the moments that you shared that you'll never forget. When you first saw the ocean, you were thinking, how could somebody, something be so big? When you saw your favorite mountain, when you went to your favorite city, when you saw that band live for the first time, there are a bunch of places in our lives where we've had a wonder but we feel like it's maybe been lost. And I think that's why Jesus said in Matthew, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like one of these children, you'll never enter into the kingdom of God. There's something in a child that wonders. And this might be the part of the sermon where you just close your eyes and let me read a scripture over you and to let the Holy Spirit reignite your wonder because it says this, Psalms chapter 33, verse six through nine. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And by the breath of his mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all of the earth fear the Lord. 
Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. What would it look like if we were a church of wonder? What is the fruit of long wonder? What's produced in you if we wonder about the glory and the majesty and the works and the acts of God for a long, long, long time? What happens to a people like that? Well, I believe the psalmist tells us just a few verses later, Psalms 33, verse 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. What is the fruit of long wonder? The fruit of long wonder is that you will have the attention of God. God's eyes will be on those who fear him. God's eyes will be on those who are in awe of him. God's attention will be on you if you wonder about him. If you're thinking, how can a baby be formed inside of a womb and everything work together and all of a sudden now a life is formed? How can a mountain stand so tall and we can't even climb it because it's so big, but it lives? How is the ocean so deep? And God said that he holds it in his hand and we know more about space than we do about the ocean. How is the universe still expanding beyond what we know? How many planets are in the solar system, let alone a galaxy? let alone the universe. Have you ever seen a star? Do you know how many earths can fit inside the sun? Have you ever seen a squirrel? Do you see how baby birds know their mom? Have you ever looked at the rain fall from the sky? Do you see how windy it was and the trees were blowing in the air? Have you ever been in wonder about God? Have you ever just thought for a minute about God? You've been like, wow. What? And that's not cool nowadays. You guys think I'm weird now. <laughs> because, because I was just wondering in front of you. But when was the last time you wondered about the glory and the majesty of God? We see in scripture that the fruit of long wonder is that the eye of the Lord will be on us. I mean, what a promise the eye of the Lord will be on you. You will have the attention of God when you stand in awe of him. I wonder, I shouldn't have used that word, I think. I wonder if we should wonder more, <laughs> right? I, I just, I think, is there some more wonder that God is inviting us into? One of my dreams uh, before I die is I want to see every national park in the United States. Um, I am like obsessed with them. If, if, if I go to a national park, it's like, it's like the highlight of my year, going to any national park, the most beautiful parts of our country. And I just recently got into it and I'm really, really looking forward to it. They're like 63 in, in the country. So if I see like one for the rest of my life, then I'll be good. And every time I go to a national park, can you imagine if I, if I walked up to Glacier National Park, I looked at the mountain and I was like, when can we leave? 
you'd be like, what? isn't this, this is beautiful, isn't this your dream? Don't you, want to, don't you want to look at it some more? You just got here. And that's silly and funny to think about, but it's true that inherent in wonder is waiting. Why? Because wonder is slow. And we don't like that because we're fast, we're efficient, we work, we get things done. But wonder is slow. If I go to a national park, I'm sitting in front of this mountain staring at it for hours. I'm on the same trail looking at the same lake for hours. I'm walking and I'm looking at the same rocks in the same shape for hours. Why? Because wonder is slow. Some of the biggest things that some of us can do to increase our wonder about God is to slow down. Some of you need to slow down. And when you slow down, you take a breath and you realize the wonder that God might be inviting you into. Those who wonder about God will have the attention of God and the way. The why, the wonder, and the way. If, and and here's, a, here's the cool thing. I love it as a, as, a, as a preacher and a pastor when I get to just give you the answer because the scripture gives us the answer. Like, we have the answer in Scripture. It's like, okay, I know why I need to consecrate myself. Because he is doing something, not so that he will. And I am a son, so I consecrate myself and, and love my father. Okay, the wonder, I get it. God is wonderful. His deeds and his acts and his blood, I get it. There's wonder that God wants to do. And now I prepare myself for that wonder. I get it. I consecrate myself in the wonder. Okay, the way, how do I do that, Pastor? What's the way that I consecrate myself? I'll tell you. It says this. 1 Peter 3.15, in your hearts set Christ Jesus Lord as holy. That's the way. Now, some of you don't like that because you're saying, no, 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 give me five steps to consecration. Help, be consecrated. I need to leave church consecrated. No. The way that we consecrate ourselves is 1 Peter 3.15. In your heart, set apart Christ Jesus, the Lord is holy. You see, consecration is an inside-out work. It's not an outside-in work. It starts inside. We're not going to start doing all the religious activities, come to all the church services, go to carols and candlelight, see our amazing 715 series about the incarnation, read a few Bible verses and say, I checked off the list, now I'm good, I'm consecrated. God's saying, but what about your heart? The way to consecration isn't through your actions, it's through your heart. But in your hearts, set apart Christ Jesus the Lord is as holy, holy means other, holy means different, holy means set apart, holy means that you can't even understand. There isn't even a really good analogy to describe holiness. It's so other. He is holy and righteous and good and we are not. But in your hearts do that. In your hearts set apart Christ Jesus the Lord as holy. And those of us who are discontent with the way of consecration probably haven't done it before. 
If we're discontent that I set it apart in my heart and not through my actions, it's probably because we haven't done it before. Why? Because when you set Jesus Christ as Lord of your heart, as holy, there's something that flows out of you that could not flow into you otherwise. It can't come from the outside in. It's evident by the fact that there are people who saw Jesus, saw his miracles, saw his blessings, saw his teachings. He said, follow me. And they said, no. We think, well, I came to church. Listen, if somebody could see Jesus physically, literally preaching, healing, teaching and say no, you can come to church, see us preaching, teaching and worshiping and say no. It's not just going to happen. I'm not going to be able to devote you to God. But in your hearts, set him apart as holy. Give God a special place in your heart. But in your hearts, I wonder how many of us just need to leave this place, slow down and set Jesus in our heart. You say, no, pastor, I've been in church a long time. I didn't ask that. Some of us need to sit, go in the parking lot and sit in the car for like 10 minutes. No music, no podcast, no Instagram, no Twitter. Don't respond to the email, ignore the text. The reservation for lunch will wait. And you sit there and you see the wind and you read the scriptures and you read a Psalm 33 and you set him in your heart and you say, God, you're wonderful. <laughs> God, you're wonderful. Oh, Lord, you're wonderful. And all of a sudden you realize, am I consecrating myself? I think I'm consecrating myself. I think this is what consecration feels like. I think maybe consecration happened after I left the church. I think it was after the pastor was done speaking. I think it was after the worship team got off stage. I think it was after I couldn't give. I think it was after that all of a sudden I realized I'm a, I think I'm, I'm, I'm consecrated. There's, there, there's, there's an illustration that I want to show you really quick. If we could throw that picture up on the screen. There is a, a mechanism inside of a camera. It's called an aperture. If you're a, a photographer, I'm probably going to butcher this, but, but stick with me. There's an aperture inside of a camera. And what an aperture does is an aperture is the mechanism designed that either opens or closes. And its purpose is to allow a certain amount of light inside of the camera. So that now the camera gets to take pictures in bright light and low light. And you see right up here the difference in the levels of aperture in a camera that determines how the picture is actually going to come out. Now, the thing about aperture is that opening and closing an aperture in a camera does not add light to a camera. It lets the light in that was always there. Consecration is how you open the aperture of your soul to receive everything that God is already doing in your life. It's not adding more of God. God is God. It's not saying, God, now it's going to be bigger. No, God is God. God is working. God is coming. We are preparing. This consecration, wondering, observing, reading, setting is how we open the aperture of my soul to let more of what God is already doing into my life. 
I wonder how many of us need to just open the aperture. Just, just, just open the aperture. So that now we're, we're positioned to experience the fullness of what he has for us. See, the Ark of the Covenant in Joshua was the presence of God carried by the Levitical priests. But I'm so thankful that we live in the new covenant where the presence of God isn't just carried by some Levitical priests, but the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is carried inside of every believer. The incarnation, the manifest literal presence of God, the ascension, Jesus saying, if I don't go, the helper won't come. The promised land that that the Israelites thought they were coming into was amazing. But the promised man that came into the world 2,000 years ago is so much more amazing. And we see here that now we are carriers of the presence of God in a unique way that the Israelites were not. That we carry the spirit of God wherever we go. And it says this, Philippians 2, 7 through 8, as I close. But he emptied himself, it says in the scriptures, by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. How do we devote ourselves? Why do we devote ourselves to God? It's because God first devoted himself to us. That he first humbled himself. He first devoted himself. We first received him. And now in response to God, not counting equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but actually taking the form of a likeness of man in the form of baby Jesus 2,000 years ago and being found in human form, him humbling himself and presenting himself to us. Now we realize, God, my consecration is the only appropriate response. And that's my preparation for his coming. Because Jesus has come. We have him. Now my consecration is preparing myself for everything that he has for me. Would you pray with me? Lord, we devote ourselves to you fully. Fully and completely. God, that you are holy and you command your people to be devoted to you. There's not one single place of our heart that you don't want. So Lord, would you give us the the courage, the faith, the boldness to give you all of our heart. To consecrate ourselves because you are already doing something. Not so that you will do something. Oh Lord Jesus, increase our wonder. Let us slow ourselves down so we can see your wonder. And let us set our eyes on Jesus as we set him in our hearts as holy and as Christ the Lord. As we prepare for you and what you want to do inside of us.